Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The 227th edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. From the Basketball Podcast Network, this is the Four Corners Podcast. We win! 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan. Jumper from out on the left. Good! Fred Brown looking. Oh, way to Worthy! Worthy five! The Tar Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber front court. Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout. Technical They're out foul. of timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul on Michigan. They're out of timeout. And the party is ready to begin on Franklin Street. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champion. Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national daggum champion. Love guarded by Keels, gets a screen, pulls up for three. Got it! Caleb Brooks straight away! Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony, we're back with you guys once again today to get you ready for the greatest rivalry in sports 2.0. Carolina and Duke, that comes your way Saturday night, 6.30 p.m. from the Deaney Smith Center in Chapel Hill. And we're here to to get you ready for the biggest game of the year, uh, literally. And, and um, as Carolina's going to have to fight and, and, and try to scratch and claw to make the NCAA tournament, we're going to break down the Blue Devils. We'll get you up to date on everything you need to know about Carolina Look back at that first matchup back in Durham, and then of course give our keys to the game, pick the game, and all, and so much more. But we start every preview edition of the pod as we always do with the pod thought of the day, which is brought to you by DraftKings. And this one's pl- uh, this one's pretty simple. It's it's Duke. The season's on the line, um, and it's how our fight song ends, and that's simply go to hell, Duke. And, like, every day I live by this mantra, and every time we play them, I really, that kind of exudes out of me, whether I'm telling maybe the coach to go to hell. Yeah. Maybe a player or or three. Yeah. But, like, this one. Fans. Fans as well. This one's going to be times ten. Like, and maybe, like, maybe I'm exaggerating. This game in a lot, in a lot of ways feels just as big as last year in the Final Four. Because okay, if you okay, if Carolina I'm tell you to stop, if right Carolina loses the game and they miss the there. tournament, that was a that was a final four if, game. It, it doesn't matter. But if Carolina if they doesn't lose, make the tournament, they they solidify themselves as the biggest bust of a preseason team in the history. And of the guess sport. what? You still aren't taking away what happened. I'm not last saying year. I'm not I'm not saying so, it takes away. But like, there's no. You could get me with with. Yeah, I I could get on on the same page with you about last year's regular season finale and it being on that same level. I I can't nah nah I can't do the final four man. That's that's that was the that 
honestly, was that the biggest was that the biggest game in the history of sports? I mean, it's got to be up there, man. It's it's got to be one of the biggest ones. I mean, probably the ALCS game 7 between the Yankees and Red Sox. I mean, that's probably pretty close. I don't know. That's ah. The thing is and and, and maybe and look, I know I'm different than a lot of Tar Heel fans. Even though we did what we did last year, to me the rivalry hasn't lost importance. I still Oh, of course it has. I still don't want to beat them. I still want to beat them. Like I wanted to win in February as much as I wanted to win last April. I would hope that just about everybody else feels the same way. And so like for a team that I I I believe is rounding into form and oh, is is starting to oh, become a, a why team. Why did you use that f- that phrase? We've used it so many times. And a team that can oh. um go on a run here. If they lose, they put themselves in a situation that I don't think they're built to do, and that's win four games in four days. Well, I mean, look, they're they're already facing. I, I I'm I'm just gonna say this right now: the way that things are heading, they are pretty much going to be in a scenario. If you listen to the to the experts. Where they will have to win on Saturday, and then they will probably have to win three games. They will have to get to the ACC tournament final just to make the field. If you listen to the experts, because I am here to tell you right now, Virginia is not going to be a quad one win. It's not. They play Louisville on Saturday. They are already 30th in the net. They will drop out. Either on sa- after Saturday's action, or they will already have been out, and they will not climb back in. So, and then it puts then it puts Carolina in a weird spot where do they have to then root for Michigan, who is a fellow bubble team, to win their last two regular season games and get to the quad one? Also, don't lose a bad game in the Big Ten tournament. Although that shouldn't be too difficult, considering just about every one of those teams is a tournament team. And Carolina just can't have a bad loss. That that is the scenario that Carolina is staring down, which is just sickening at this point. Like yeah. the, the these these experts these experts are morons. Well, I mean, also look, I, we're not going to sit up here and make excuses for them. Had Carolina won games that were on their schedule to win, and had they not blown six leads in nine of their quad one losses. They wouldn't. They wouldn't be having to listen to what Joe Lenardi, Jerry Palm, Mike DeCorsi, Andy Katz, all those guys. Does he do a bracket? Yeah. All, all, really? All those guys had to say. But I mean, I just got to tell you, like, yeah. uh, since since Monday at nine thirty, once the Florida State game came to a conclusion, I haven't slept. I haven't. That's okay. That is a severe medical issue that needs to be checked. You know, my my mind has my mind has thought about this game since we got through Florida State because I don't I don't want my team to be considered the biggest fraud, the biggest bust in the tournament or or in the history of college basketball, and that's what's that's what's going to be said about them, whether that's right, wrong, and different. No pressure, fellas. If, no if, pressure. If they lose this game and they fail to make the tournament, and that's what I think makes this matchup. <laughs> Everybody wants to tell us the rivalry's dead, and then you have all this stuff on the line for one team, and then for a Duke team, if they win the game and certain things happen throughout the league, 
they could still wind up second in the conference and, and do a lot of things for themselves. So, no, they're not playing for an ACC regular season title, but a lot is on the line for both teams. Duke does enter with a 22-8 and record overall. They are 13-6 and now in the ACC as they, they've really hit a hot streak here, winning five straight games as, as of right now. Um, you know, they're, they're looking for their sixth straight. Like Carolina, though, and like many teams in the league, they have struggled on the road. Duke is just three and six away from Cameron Indoor Stadium. In Cameron, perfect 16-0. and 0. Uh, John Shire became the first coach in the history of the league to go undefeated at home in his first season. True. But as you can imagine, like Hubert Davis did last year, uh, has struggled to find ways to win games away from home in his first season on the job. And a big reason why is it's a poor shooting team, and that's that's identified with them only having two guys averaging double-figure scoring. Led by the big fella, Kyle Filipowski, 14.8 points, nine rebounds, one and a half assists. But his shooting numbers have plummeted down to 43% from the field, 28% from three. Then Jeremy Roach, the guard, the, the, the guard that came back to kind of make up for what happened against Carolina in the Final Four game where he was just 2 of 11 from the field. Uh, Roach averaging 13.2 points, 2.4 rebounds, 3.3 assists. He's shooting 42% from the field, 33% from behind the three-point line. You mentioned that, that Virginia is on the cusp of falling out as a quad one win for the Heels. Well, it's a good news that, 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 Carol, that Duke finds himself right now 23rd in the net. And I know that Virginia was 21st, and they've now fallen all the way to 30th. I don't think, though, if Carolina wins this game, you're going to see that drastic of a drop in the net ranking. Oh, if they for, do, for, I'll break something. For Duke. But, you know, this is a team that um, is improving. They're, they've, they've kind of figured out who they are, which they are a team that relies on its defense, its grit, and its ability to rebound the basketball. Um, but this is also a team that is probably as confident as they've been all season long, and they're going to be ready to come in and spoil Carolina's season at home on Saturday night. Oh, there's no doubt about that. And, I mean, last year is probably going to serve as a little bit of motivation for some of those guys that are holdovers and uh, definitely the staff there as well. You know, yeah, they're they're rounding into form. As you mentioned, though, they've had some struggles on the road. I mean, look, they're, they they did win their last road game over Syracuse. Rather impressive win for them as well. At the time, Syracuse was still, I guess, fighting for something. That team isn't fighting for anything right now. I mean, they're fighting to keep Jim Beheim out of the retirement home at this point. That's pretty much it. Um, but, but before that, you know, they played Virginia on the road lost Miami on the road they got blown out so yeah it's it's a legitimate issue that they've had on the road this season um but we know I, I mean this game is this game's different it's it's going to be different there's going to be nerves throughout um but yeah they're they're a team that has gotten a lot better as the year has gone along and I I hate to say it when you look at them I, I still think, because of the way they play, if they get the right matchups, Miami is probably the team that has the chance, the best chance to make a deep run in March. This team ain't far behind them because of how they're defending. Um, you know, Kyle Filipowski continues to play at a 
pretty high level, if we're being honest with ourselves, he's probably going to backdoor it and and get the ACC Player of the Year. I, I, I would not doubt it at this point. But Jeremy Roach has stepped up for him and played uh, a lot better. And Tyrese Proctor ha- has definitely become a guy that a lot of Duke fans uh, you know, re- are, are really excited about. Um, they expect him to come back next year. I know that's stunning. Um, but he's a guy that's that's kind of grown as their season has gone along. So, yeah, Carolina's got to be ready for a fight in this one. And I think the biggest thing for Carolina in this game is they have to find a way to limit the impact that Derek Lively is going to have on the defensive end of the floor because he pretty much was the reason you lost in Cameron. If he doesn't play in that game, I think Carolina wins that game. So that that's the biggest thing that Carolina's got to navigate. The good news is Carolina shooting a little better than they were when they last faced Duke in Cameron earlier this year. The Heels enter with a 19-11 and 11 record overall. They are 11-8 and eight in the league. They can finish as best as seventh, as worst, really, uh, as, as eighth in the conference at home in the friendly confines. That is the Dean Dome. Carolina 13-2, and two, and their two home losses have come to quality opponents. That have come that that's come against Pittsburgh and Miami, but you know, and and that's are those it. are those quality enough for the experts though? That's I'm, the question. I'm the only expert that matters today. And what are your brackets? What do your brackets look like? I think you need to lay out your brackets for us. They buddy. they couldn't handle that because then everyone would <laughs> be fired, and I would be doing all the brackets for every network. Which if you pay me enough money, I would devote my life to dividing up brackets. Question: forever. Are you? Are you or are you not having Joe Lenardi on or attempting to get Joe Lenardi on? Yes, of course. Would you tell Joe Lenardi what you just said to his face? To his face? Oh, so on the phone you would, though, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, on the phone. I I don't believe you. I'm bringing him on to pretty much chastise him and pressure him into talking about where he has my team. Mm, I don't don't believe you. That's what a good host does. I want to sit in on the interview. I, I, I was on... The interview that we did with Michael Norwood, I refuse, refuse, damn it, to sit in on the one with Joe Lenardi, as as a co-host on the one with Joe Lenardi. I would not be able to keep myself together. When you look at this game for Carolina, um, they enter with four guys averaging double-figure scoring. Caleb Love is now the team's leading scorer after Baycott's single-point performance on Monday in Tallahassee, Love is averaging 16.9 points, 3.7 rebounds, 2.8 assists. He's shooting 38% from the field and 31% from three. Armando Baycott still averaging a double-double, 16.5 points, 10.8 rebounds, uh, and he's shooting 55% from the field. R.J. Davis, 15.8 points, 5.1 rebounds, 3.3 assists. He's shooting 43% from the field, 34% from three. And then you got Pete Nance, Lemon Oreos, 10.3 points, 6.1 rebounds. He's shooting 42% from the field, 33% from behind the three-point line. The Heels average 39.9 rebounds per game. That is eighth best in the country. 28.6 defensive rebounds per game. That is also eighth best in the country. They are 45th in the net ranking, so... As much as this game is a quad one game for Carolina, it's a quad one game for Duke as Duke is still trying to, you know, improve their seating and their resume 
for the tournament. Before we take a look back at the first matchup, though, um, you know, the, the 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 team did meet with the media today, and the question about this being the last game for Armando Baycott did come up because it is, mm-hmm. of course, senior day, senior night in Chapel Hill on Saturday, a tradition that I never get tired of seeing, of seeing where we – we put all of our seniors on the court, and it always just feels a little bit better when it's also against Duke, and you still go out there, and you know you see a senior doesn't play very much, play play well, and 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 lead and help Carolina win the game. And and Baycott was non-committal about this being his last game in the Smith Center, and I don't think that was surprising because as much as we love Mondo, um, he. He's not an NBA player. Like if you just look at what no. the NBA is, he he there's not as good as a as a rebounder as he is. He doesn't have a perimeter game. He's too slow. He's too slow a foot to defend. He does. On, he doesn't finish well enough inside. You know at either. the you know so he's not going to the NBA. And I don't believe that many people leave college early if they're going to go overseas and play. Unless they're going overseas to then come back to the NBA, I don't think that's going to happen. And so, first off, like you can't read too much into it because you never know. But I think he's going to be back. But I don't think that's going to lessen how much he wants to win and play well on Saturday night. Because when you you talk about legacies, and that's something that you know he wanted to leave at Carolina, and with all that he's individually accomplished. He, he has left a legacy that will never be forgotten in Chapel Hill, around the program, and in the hearts and minds of Carolina fans. But if he goes out there and he puts on a, a Mondo-type performance where he puts up a 20-point-plus a, a uh, effort and 15-plus rebounds and really guides Carolina to a win that they need with their season on the line, all that's going to do is further his legacy and, and and even if he comes back again next year, this would be a moment for him to really put his stamp on how he will be remembered in Chapel Hill. Yeah, and he's got he's going to be motivated one because yeah he doesn't know he already said today he's still got some decisions that he has to make. I mean I I don't know deep down inside he he may already know. Um, I think he's coming back. I mean I would think so, but I got to be honest with you. I think that. I mean, uh, unless this team goes back to the Final Four, I think I think he'll be back in. You Carolina think even Blue. if they miss the tournament, I feel like he might just. Feel I don't like see it's time him, to move on. I don't see I don't see him leaving with the with the type of season they've had. I don't think that would sit well with them now. Yeah, I mean, I I don't I don't know, man. I I just I mean that type of season could definitely wear on guys and. There will definitely be Toriel fans that will say we just need we just need new blood in here. We need a changing in the guard. Um. So I don't know, I, but I mean, look, I would imagine he already has a way he is leaning in his mind, but still, um, you know, I think it's in the back of everybody's mind if they win this game and they can go into the ACC tournament and at least lock up the fact that they're in the NCAA tournament, if you still, you know, whatever, Um and they will have a chance to go on a run. I, I truly believe that the guys in that locker room feel that way because they were able to do it a year ago. So I, I think you will see a motivated player for that reason. 
It's also Duke. He's a guy that has said he would die for this school, so he knows just how important this is. And I don't doubt at all that he is going to come out and, you know, at least at, at least put out one of the best efforts that we've seen from him the entire season. And then I think with what you've seen from him here recently, I feel like he's going to he, he he is going to come in w- trying to prove that he has the ability to step up and finish the season strong after kind of limping to the finish here a little bit. So I think all those things are, are going to culminate in, in him playing well. And to be honest with you, I think the other part, he, he knows he's going to have to play well in this game. Mm-hmm. Because, dude, he, he saw what Derek Lively did in that first game. He, he should want to come out and prove a point and prove to the young fella that, look, man, you just don't walk in here and take over this rivalry. That just ain't going to happen. So I think there's a lot of different motivating factors for him, um, and it'll be interesting to see. But, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like you're you're probably right. I'm, I'm not – I would be pretty shocked if he is not back next year at this point. Um you know, the thing is, is is we'll just, you know, you never know what's going to happen if this team is able to put together a run. You know, we, we've mentioned the first matchup quite a bit here, so let's take a look back at that that first matchup, which was a frustrating night uh, between or, or in Cameron Indoor Stadium. It was more of a defensive game, which led everybody just to say that it was just a not really well-played game because they both weren't scoring 85, 90 points. Um, we tend to forget and credit teams when they play really, really good defense in modern basketball, which I thought in that game that was really the case where both teams shot below 40% from the field. Um, Carolina was just 7 of 27 from three, got out-rebounded 46-40, to 40, and that's where I thought the game was lost, was as bad as Carolina played, um, the game was tied 57-57 at at the under with under four minutes left to go in the ball game, but when you don't rebound the ball and you don't keep guys off the offensive glass, Carolina gave up thirteen offensive rebounds and eleven second chance points. It's really hard to win in that building when you look at all those different intangibles that that also played in the game. But also, I mean, look, there's no denying Derek Lively. He wasn't the best player on the floor that night. He was the most impactful. Because he only scored four points, but he grabbed 14 rebounds and blocked eight shots. And this was against a Carolina team that at the point, at this point in the year, you were getting nothing from Pete Nance, which was why it was absolutely mind-blowing that when Carolina needed a shot, we drew up a set for a guy that went one from 10 from the field, 0 of 5 from three, and scored two points. You look mm-hmm. at it now. Nance has emerged, thanks to, as I referenced to him, as with the Lemon Oreos. We will, we will only refer to him as Lemon Oreos moving forward. You That's, look at you know, the second half against Notre Dame, the, the, the performance altogether against Virginia. Yep. And then it felt like every shot he hit against Florida State on Monday was just a, was, was a big one. So now I think that's, you know, that's something that Carolina knows going into this one. Like, we knew going into this game we were getting nothing from Pete. Like, at that point in the season, he was like me shooting my shot with a woman with no confidence. Oh, my God. Well, that's true. Yeah. And and, and so it was just – it was it was really hard for, for Carolina to ask him to make those type of plays to help Carolina win. 
But, I mean, also, like, if Duke shoots 39% from the field and 36% from three in this game, I like Carolina's chances. Yes. But I would like to see, look, Duke, they are coming off a game that they won over NC State, and they shot two and 19 from three. Yep. So, like, I would like to hold them to less than a 36% clip from the outside. I I think that would be great. And Carolina, Carolina's getting in a little bit of a shooting groove here. I mean, they've definitely shot it a lot better. Uh, You mentioned Lemon Oreo shooting it a lot better. But I I think credit needs to be given to Leaky Black, too. Remember that he had a wide-open three that, could have potentially won Carolina the game in that first matchup and missed it. Um, he's coming off a game where he had 18-9. and nine. He's looked a lot better down the stretch here. He's been more aggressive on the glass. That's the thing that Carolina needs in this game is they need Lemon Oreos and Leaky Black to step up and, 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 play, and play big games for them. It would also help, too, if Puff Johnson could perform well in this game. If you can get that trio to step up and give you something offensively, you would feel like you have a pretty good chance in this game. I know Duke has been shooting the ball better. I know they've been scoring better. This is still far from a lethal offensive team. And I think their 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 plan on the defensive end is going to be very similar to what it was in the first matchup. It's going to be pack it in in the paint, take away those driving lanes for the guards, take away Baycott, and force somebody else to beat you. And I feel like going into this game, we feel a lot more confident with that because the offense, the is it is it safe to say right now the offense probably in the best rhythm it's been all year? It's very sad. Maybe, I mean, they played well offensively in Portland. But I don't know, man. This, they're, getting, this feels, they're, they're getting the best shots they've gotten yeah, all season long. Yeah, this this feels pretty close. So I, I think if if they can if they can continue to knock down those good looks that they get, then they're going to have a pretty good chance to win this game. Mm-hmm. And then it all comes back to how you move the basketball. Yeah. Yeah, and so you know, did I, I stun you with a good point there? No, I mean, I, I just, I, I didn't know if you were done talking or not, and and so, you know, I, I think that's the thing is that like you know, we we go back and look at that night, and as as frustrating and it was disappointing as it was, as bad as Carolina played, they were right there with a chance to win the game. They didn't score the last three minutes and fifty seven seconds mm. of the game. Oh my god! And they were still right there with a chance to win. I, I you know, we've been a lot better at home. As we just mentioned, the shots are a little are, are coming a lot better for Carolina right now, um, and so I, I do like our chances. Carolina in the rivalry all time, they they still lead it one forty three to one sixteen, and this is going to be a group that will be motivated to respond at home after what happened last year. And I know this is two different teams, two different scenarios from what happened in the Smith Center a year ago, but. Remember, this game was pretty much all but over at the under sixteen timeout in Chapel Hill. Uh, yeah, uh, don't you know. don't don't remind me. So I I do feel like there'll be a different motivation 
um, from the team in this game. From the coach, too, you know, who and was coaching in that game. I think another thing that's going to be interesting is uh, the crowd. Like, this is this is always the best crowd of the year. Um, I think it's going to be – I think there's going to be a nervous energy in the Smith Center on Saturday because the crowd knows what's at stake. Like, our fans aren't state fans. They're not dumb. They understand that if they they lose the game, um, they've got to go win four games in four days in Greensboro. Whereas if they win this game, it significantly improves and enhances their chances of making the tournament. So they're going to be behind them. But if they have a, a stretch of you know weary play and things kind of get a little tacky, a little sideways, I do think that the fans you, 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 you they'll be able to know it because the fan base will let them know it. Because there's just so much on the line. Well, I mean, what do you think? They're not going to boo this team. Like, I'm not saying that, but like, it's going to be loud and it's going to be. There's going to be energy. Oh, of course. But it's going to be a nervous energy because well, so I much, mean, so much is riding on this I, game. I feel like every game, every game is kind of like that when you play them. But I, it, so, how many times in the history of this rivalry? Has a team's tournament chances significantly hung in the balance? You can look back to last uh, year. Probably last year, yeah. But Amazingly. You know, you know yeah. I, I was of the belief that even if Carolina lost the game, if they won two games in the ACC tournament, they were going to make the field. I mean, that that was where I was at. Ooh, so ah. out, so outside, of, outside of last year, there really isn't a moment in time where you can point at this game and, and, and say, well, if that team would have lost 2,000 maybe, when that team was the last team selected into the field of, of 64 at the time? Yeah, because, I mean, the COVID year, like, Duke was clearly – they were clearly out, right? By that point? I mean, there was no there, – there was no – I mean, there was what, small crowd? For the – or no, yeah, small crowd for the second matchup? Or did – no, we yeah. hosted the second matchup. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean Duke came in, but I I mean their season was pretty much over by that point. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, I I get what you're saying. I like I definitely think it'll be it it, it will be a crowd that will be behind this team for sure though. I, did, I but I never said like, that they weren't going to be behind them. But this is going to be this is going to be a crowd that will let them know if if things go sideways, you're going to be able to tell. Because it'll if, be dead silent, I think, in there. Because if things go sideways, the season the season could have would officially be sideways. Well, I mean, look, I don't think you have to worry about it. I would be stunned if a game if if this is a game like last year in the Smith Center. I I just I don't I don't see that happening. This team is going to be playing probably as desperate as they've played all season long. Because in their minds. I mean, they probably think, hey, if we win this one, we're probably in the field. Um, in reality, I, I, I frankly don't I, – I honestly don't know what to tell you at this point because I, either way I would – I could probably be, be wrong. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I think they're going to come in with that sense, and I think, you know, yeah, there, there will be some, some nervous energy from the fans, but I think ultimately when, when it comes down to a once you're in the game – it's it's almost going to feel like it's another game. That's the mindset that the team has to take 
towards this to some respects. Once you actually start playing in the game, you can't think to yourself every shot that you take, oh, this has to go in or this is our tournament hopes. So, I, I mean, that's that's going to be one of the things that Hubert Davis has to really drive through to these guys that, look, once you get onto the court, this is just this is another Duke-UNC matchup. Like, this is another installment of the rivalry. And we know what we didn't do the first time that led to us losing. We have to go out and adjust to what Duke is going to be throwing at us this time and find a way to pull this one out. Well, guys, we have set the scene for the greatest rivalry in sports. We've broken down Duke, got you up to speed on Carolina, even took a look back at the first matchup. It's now time to give our keys to the game and pick the game. But before we do that, we're going to take a quick break. We'll get you the latest offer we have from DraftKings. Then when we come back, we'll give you those keys. We'll pick the game. That's all coming up next on the Four Corners Podcast. Back after this message from DraftKings. NBA fans, it's time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hand with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 and win $200 in bonus, in bonus bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app today. Opt in and place a same-game parlay on any NBA game. And if it doesn't hit, you'll get a bonus back. Guys, I do this all the time with over-unders. I do it with the first three porn that's going to be made by Stephen Curry or, 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 or you know, Ja Morant, LaMelo Ball, whatever it is. Do all these same-game parlay actions at DraftKings Sportsbook. And you can do so by downloading the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with the promo code TBPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. See show notes for details. We really hope you guys are taking full advantage of all these great offers I've been giving you here on the Four Corners podcast. Same for Anthony over there on the Heel Tough Blog podcast. The, the first key I have written down will just reiterate, come ready to play. Um, you know, it's it's a 6.30 tip, so the crowd's going to be juiced. The crowd is going to be amped. You've got college game day. They'll be on hand from 10 to 12. That'll already create a certain energy both in the building and in the town. Um, and it's just, you know, I think it's one of those things we'll know the first media timeout. What What version of this team are we getting? Are we getting the team that we've seen the last couple of games against Virginia and Florida State that came out and punched them in the mouth? That would be really, really great if Carolina could come out and hit them with a quick, you know, 12-4, you know, 10-2 type of spurt and just kind of set the tone. Or does Carolina, like a year ago, just come out and kind of get overwhelmed by the moment? That was the thing that I think really stood out to me the most last year was that Carolina at home – looked so much more overwhelmed than they did at home a year ago. And then even so th- this year when Carolina was in their building and it was the first Duke-Carolina matchup with no Coach K on the sidelines in over 40 years, I never once thought Carolina looked overwhelmed. Hopefully that's not the case in this game. Um, and they can come right out and, and, and just kind of ease themselves into a game where there's just so much pressure on. 
the first really key I have to the game is perimeter shooting because Carolina was 7 of 27 in the first matchup, and that just wasn't good enough. And the thing about the first matchup was I thought there were a lot of good shots. Like, there, there were shots that I thought yep. Carolina took that were good shots. And good shots are okay. I like great shots. And right now, Carolina is getting good to great shots. And that's why you're seeing Leaky Black go 3 of 4 from deep. You're seeing Pete Nance go 4 of 4 from deep. You had four Tar Heels make three uh, three three-pointers the other night. The first time that's ever happened in the history of the program. And they're going to need to shoot the ball well in this game. They probably got to get about the seven to eight threes. If they can do it on 36, 37, 38% shooting, I really like their chances. And then going back to our conversation with our guy, Michael Norwood, that happens if ball movement is there. You know, Carolina made 24 field goals in the first matchup. And believe it or not, they assisted on 12 of them. And they still lost it. And at the time, that was one of their better assisted games in terms of assists to made baskets. And so 50% is not, not bad. You know, you, you typically see about 50 to 60% in, a, in, a, in, in the era now where a lot of teams play ISO one-on-one basketball. But it wasn't good enough in that game. And so Carolina's got to move the ball. It's got to they, they got to create energy passing and be willing to pass up good shots for great shots. And that really all comes back to Caleb Love. Um, Terrence Oglesby wasn't afraid to to really put a, a lot of blame on why Carolina is where they are, you know, because he's a ball stopper and a guy that just feels the need to take a lot of shots. The last three games, he's been a lot better. The ball's moved. He's given up shots for himself to shots for his teammates. Mm-hmm. He's got to be both aggressive but unselfish for Carolina on Saturday. Well, I mean, it goes back to the key that we've talked so much about here down the stretch of the season, which apparently did not land home until he, this three-game stretch, which is shot selection. Um, it's just about being smart with the shots that are given to you. And, I mean, look, you, you said that they had some good shots in the first game. I thought they had some great shots as well that they just didn't make. So... It's just as simple as, and it comes back to those those two guys that I talked about earlier, both both uh, Lemon and uh, and Leaky. I mean, dude, they had they had great looks for a lot of the game and just could not knock those down. In this game, that has to be different. That has to be the element that changes. You need Puff Johnson to be able to make some shots for you as well on the perimeter. So. I mean, look, if Carolina can do that, I know, you know, my uh, Michael said, look, Carolina's had a lot of tough shots, and they found ways to make those tough shots in these games down the stretch of the season. There's no guarantee that when you keep taking those tough shots, they will go down. I get it. Dude, R.J. Davis is just a tough shot maker. And I feel like he'll be in that mode again. We also, if you go back to last year, and again, it is last year, but if you go back to last year in Cameron, this team hit some tough shots when they needed to. I, I feel like this is, I, I really do feel like this game could play out very similarly. So, yeah, Carolina's going to have to hit some tough shots. But right now, I trust this offense to be able to make some of those tough shots. The thing they have to do 
is, is they got to find a way to be able to finish inside. You can't let Lively prevent you from being able to go inside like he did at some at, at certain points in the second half of that first matchup. So Carolina's got to get creative about how they attack the basket. And when they get there, you have to finish at the rim. That's been a thing that even in these wins, at times Carolina just misses some of the easiest layups inside. You've got to be stronger when you finish inside. And if they can do that, I really feel like this team, the way they're playing offensively, if that perimeter shooting carries over, Carolina should be able to win this game. You know, you mentioned the way they attack inside. The big, One of the biggest things we've noticed is more Pete Nance at the five. And that's that was something that's been planned. And it was something that, you know, I didn't necessarily agree with. With Hubert Davis resting Armando Baycott because I, I trust Mondo more than I, I've trusted Pete. But I think I think you're starting to really see the benefits because they've they've now adjusted to it and it's really opened up the floor for everyone else. And I think that's something that, you know, look, Carolina can't allow Derek Lively to control the painted area the way he did in the first matchup, fourteen rebounds, eight blocks. But when you throw different looks at him and you put different people in there, it does make it differently. Like at that point in the year, everyone was just packing the paint against Carolina because they didn't trust them to make perimeter shots. And that was the right decision. Well, now you're coming off, you know, back-to-back games where you've made uh, double-digit three-pointers. That's the first time you've done it all season long. So even though you only got a small sample size of them doing that, Duke will have to adjust the way they defend Carolina this time around as to the first time. But with that being said, they still can't allow – Lively to dominate the game. Filipowski in the first matchup was 14.7 rebounds, was just 4-14 from the field. You would imagine he'll have a better game. He likes to play outside in, though. That's why, to me, like as much as Pete Nance is important for Carolina's overall ascension that they're going on right now, this is this is an this is a game that Armando Baycott has to have his fingerprints on. I mean, yeah, he does. I, I think one of the things that will be interesting. And I think Michael brought it up when we were talking to him, and I think I don't necessarily agree that. Well, I mean, he didn't say that we needed to see more. He said the way the way Pete has been playing, he's he's best at the five. I think more of what it is is Pete is just best at times playing on the block, letting that sort of allow him to eventually get out to the perimeter and make shots. And I think one of the things Carolina will have to do in this game a little bit, um, especially because we've seen Armando Baycott here as the season has gone along, down the stretch, one of the biggest issues, one of the reasons that Armando is not in rhythm, he's gotten into foul trouble a lot down the stretch here. So there are probably going to be stretches where you are going to have to play Pete at the five. And I think you would probably say to yourself, I mean, Two weeks ago, you would have said, oh, my God, we have to play Pete at the five. This is going to be a long night. But I think with what he's been doing here lately, I I really think that could cause some issues for Derek Lively because he's a guy that can stretch the floor. You're getting a guy in Lively having to defend out in space. And, look, he's pretty athletic. Don't, Don't get it wrong. There's a reason why he was rated as highly as he was. But... That would that that's a different look, and I think if you can interchange that, that will sort of mess with what Duke is going to have to present to you on the defensive end of the floor. So I wouldn't be shocked if you see more of that lineup 
in this game. But, yeah, Ar- Armando Baycott is going to have to step up. Carolina's also got to do a better job. Yeah, Lively didn't have a huge impact in that first game. One of the areas where he did, though, was on the offensive glass. And, uh, you know, when, when it came to some of those those put-back dunks, that, that's something that Carolina has to be able to attest for in this game when it comes to, you know, playing inside. And I think a big part of that will go into Armando, will go to Armando Baycott. And look, first game, look, Armando didn't play terrible, but Armando should be motivated because I know he scored four points. I'm, Derek Lively outplayed him in the first matchup. So Armando, uh, you, you would imagine that that should, should serve as motivation as well for Armando to step up and, and and show him, like I was saying earlier, that, hey, man, you, you ain't walking in here and just taking over this rivalry. This is now works. Yeah, I mean, look, if Carolina gets out-rebounded again, Carolina probably loses the game. Like, that's that's how important it is to, yeah. to, to rebound the ball. You would think, yeah. You know, especially with this with this Duke with this Duke team that is is kind of built kind of like what you we saw from Carolina for an extended period of time where they play inside out and their best offense is around the rim their best offense is living off offensive rebounds and second chance points and and so make no make no mistake about it I do think um that 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 people are or not people but but that Carolina is going to be conscious of rebounding the ball and drawing even, winning by three or four. I don't see them out-rebounding Duke by 10, 15, like you saw in the like when, when Duke first became a one-and-done program. Like, and though the way Duke was playing was that was – like Carolina's game plan was to – I think they purposely missed shots to offensive rebound the ball because the rebounding disparity in those games back then when, Jan, when Bryce Johnson was, was here – was just mind-boggling. I think those days are, are pretty much gone with, well, under John Shire. I think they'll be more evenly battled and a lot more contested. But Carolina still has to find a way to win them, and that's when it comes to you know sacrificing your body, diving on the ball for you know, or diving on the floor for a loose ball, doing all doing all the little things, because, especially timely. Well, like, you like, gotta in, come down with those timely rebounds late in the game. First matchup. They get a huge offensive rebound. It leads to the out-of-bounds play that eventually uh, Jeremy Roach just blows by R.J. Davis and finishes inside. Like, that, that's – or draws the foul, excuse me. But that that's that's the point you got to get to, man. Like, even, even if I, – I agree with you. I think winning the rebounding battle uh, is, is – pro- <laughs> is probably required to win this game. But more than anything, late in the game, if it's a close game, you have to come up with those timely rebounds. And at times, that's eluded this team. Yeah, and I mean, look, the, the way that you got to – every missed rebound could be the, the difference between making the tournament or not. Like, that's that's how impactful the rebounding is going to be in this game. And yep. so – you know, if, if I think if Carolina approaches that game and rebounds and and plays with that level of des- of desperation, I think Carolina has a chance to win the game. So does ESPN, because Carolina enters with a 58% chance to win the game, according to their matchup 
predictor. This game does come your way. That's Saturday night, 6.30 p.m. on ESPN. College game day will be live on the air from the Smith Center Saturday morning at 10. There will be a 30-minute pregame show as well to get the stage set and the scene ready for the greatest rivalry in sports. And this isn't a surprise to any. I think Carolina. I think Carolina wins the game because if they if if they lose. Okay. Well, you're required to pick them. But I, I'm, so I, I'm not going through and saying that. Go in depth here because if if they lose, it's going to be a really hard pill to swallow. I mean, it's not only getting swept; it's just putting you in a really tough spot to have a chance to get back to the Final Four, something that is still attainable for this team until their season, you know, abruptly comes to an end. And so, and I think the thing about it is, I think you're going to see maybe their most complete performance of the year because they have they've actually started building towards something, and that gets me excited. Because I have complained all year long. I never yes. thought they've built towards anything. It was just levels of inconsistent play. And it was, sometimes it was good play. Sometimes it was average play. And then you had the Wake Forest game where it was just below average. It was it was piss poor play. You go back to the second half against Notre Dame. That carried over into Virginia. What you did in the first half against Virginia carried over into Florida State. And so they still haven't played 40 minutes complete basketball, although in this day and age with one and done, transfer portal, stuff like that, it's really hard to find teams that play consistent 40 minutes. The teams that do separate themselves uh, to, to compete and win for national championships. But I do think Carolina puts together their best performance we've seen all season long they get a big-time win at home against their arch-rival and take one step closer to securing themselves as a tournament team. Oh, I agree with you. I, I, I think this this game, it doesn't give me the same feelings as last year just because, I mean, there was so much more going on around that. This was a team. Carolina was given no chance coming into that game. Not Not really the way that the narrative is being written this time, but... This is a familiar spot for Carolina, and a lot of people are talking about the pressure that Carolina has on them. Man, these guys have been here before, and I know that the Duke game, it's its a little bit different. This is probably more dire than last year, but in their minds, they probably don't think of it that way. They probably think of it as, hey, we've been here before. We've had our backs against the wall, and we found a way to pick up one of the biggest wins in this rivalry's history last year. Um, so I, I think that's going to be the mindset they're taking into this game as well. I, I like the way that this team has been playing offensively. I think that, you know, Duke, the, the way that they were able to throw Carolina off of their game in the first game by basically just, I mean, they were really one of the first teams that basically just said, hey, we're going to put all five guys inside of the three-point arc um, and really just make you – try to find the guys that are not having success for you offensively and win the game through them, those guys are playing better now. And I think that will show in this game. Rebounding-wise, I think Armando Baycott's going to come ready to play. But I also think that you'll see Leaky Black be ready. He had 10 rebounds in the first game, so I I think he could probably get to that again. But Pete Nance is rebounding better. Caleb Love and R.J. Davis – really didn't produce much 
in the way of rebounding in the first matchup. Five for R.J. Davis, one for Caleb Love. I think you could see, I mean, R.J.'s coming off a game where he had 10 rebounds. I think you could see more involvement from the guards on the glass as well. And I think the other thing is, is I've talked about them, you know, timely rebounding, just timely playmaking. I think you've seen this team get back into some of that timely playmaking in large part thanks to R.J. Davis, who has sort of found his groove again. I think you'll see him make some tough shots down the stretch. We've seen Caleb Love start to show some signs of that. I think you'll see him come in and and play one of his better games as well. And ultimately, I think what Carolina needs to make the play is late in this one. They will, because they will have learned from that first matchup. I don't think it's going to be easy by any stretch. I think this is going to be yet another one of those classics that always has us go to the line that we love to go to when talking about this rivalry. It always delivers, and it's going to do it again. But I think it delivers a Carolina win, and it will keep them alive for the NCAA tournament, although they may have to win the ACC tournament anyways if you listen to what Joe Lenardi tells you. No matter the result on Saturday, we'll have you covered at HeelToughBlog.com where you can find a preview to the Duke game. Of course, there'll be a recap posted the night of as well. And then we'll be getting you ready for that all-important ACC tournament selection Sunday and if the Heels do make the NCAA tournament. All that coverage and more, that's HeelToughBlog.com. As for the podcast, guys, you know where to find us, every major podcasting platform. Just simply search the Four Corners Podcast and we will pop up. There we encourage you guys to rate and review the pod. But more importantly, guys, we want you to hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any game preview, any game recap, any great interview. Hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss out on any editions of the show throughout the remainder of the basketball season. But with that, guys, this is going to wrap up this edition of the show. want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels and go to hell, Duke.